Welcome to the Founder Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Founder or how you can get involved, visit thefoundrychurch.com. When it comes to stories, there is one story that almost all of us know and have heard like a million times. When asked, we can recite the main characters, the main plot points, how the story ends, and everything in between. And you know what story I'm talking about? The Hallmark Christmas movie story. <laughs> one Christmas tradition that I could 100% do without is the Hallmark Christmas movie. Right, have you seen this joke? Right, what has 15 actors, four settings, two writers, and one plot? Well, 632 Hallmark movies. <laughs> That's really not a joke because it's the truth. Right, if you've seen one Hallmark Christmas movie, you have seen them all. But every Sunday... Every Sunday night, I find myself sitting next to my wife on the couch watching these stupid movies. Like last Sunday, we were watching one, and like clockwork, at the one hour and 45 minute mark, everything just falls apart. And it makes me so angry. And Christina can attest to this. Every time we're watching at the one hour and 45 minute mark, I'm yelling at the TV, stop assuming and just talk to each other. If everyone would just talk, you would know that everything is okay, and you can kiss, and that the movie will be over, but no. Everyone has to walk around assuming, and it makes the movie last like 15 more excruciating minutes. Seriously, though, right? The other story that we all know and have heard probably a million times, or at least once if you've seen a Charlie Brown Christmas, is the true story of Christmas, Right, not, the, not the Santa one, right? the one about Jesus in the Christmas story is one of the most well-known of all time. Right, most of us are super familiar with it. I bet that a lot of you have an awesome nativity set up in your house somewhere. And if you do, go ahead and just post a picture of it in the comments there. Right, some of you probably haven't even been to a live nativity so outside of switching around some of the animals and dressing Mary and Joseph in different colors, it's tough to tell an old story in a new way. I remember seeing a few churches take some creative liberties with the types of animals near the manger. So adding rabbits and chickens to the scene never quite made sense to me. Look at this picture from the Carter family here at the foundry, right? A Barbie Christmas, right? Even us here at the Foundry, at our live nativity two years ago, had a kangaroo. And of course, my dog Barton is always there with me as well, sniffing around the manger scene. But if I'm honest, right, it does not really make all that much sense. Even though we had heard the Christmas story countless times and we are comfortable with it, I do not want us to forget that it's still a story of the most incredible event of all time. Right, Christmas tells the story of the time when God himself came to earth to rescue us. And that's absolutely amazing. Right, so I want you to think back to the, the first time you heard and understood the power of the Christmas story. Right? Remember the, the wide-eyed wonder. Right? Remember that and let's dive in together. Because we're in the second week of this series of sermons that we are calling a Christmas story. And last week, we looked at the birth of Jesus through the eyes of a man named Simeon. Right? We learned that Simeon was told that he would not die until he saw the Messiah, 
uh, the Savior that God was sending, and he waited patiently until God fulfilled what he had promised. And last week's part of the Christmas story, we were reminded that even though God may not show up when we expect or as soon as we would like, God is going to show up. He can always be trusted. He can always uh, have hope in the Lord. You see, it's not just Simeon who was waiting on the Messiah. Really, an entire population of people had waited and waited centuries for the Messiah, the Savior of the world. They waited much longer than they ever would have wanted. However, right, the good news was that the people were told something. Right? They knew that hope was on the way. Right? They were told that someone was coming. I mean, can you imagine if the people, the Israelites at this time, were never told anything? If they had been left thinking that their situation was hopeless and no one was coming to rescue them. If they were left to assume, they would probably end up like those poor people in the Hallmark movies. Everything would have fallen apart around them. Assumptions can very easily ruin things. Like, for instance, the other day, Christina and I ordered dinner from a new El Salvadorian restaurant. I had seen this place on Facebook like a million times, like a million Facebook ads for it, and so I was excited to try it. Uh, the food came, and I dove right in. Right, the first box that I pulled out and I opened was labeled, labeled queso. Inside, there was what looked like a fluffy uh, tortilla and a mound of cheese. And I thought, okay, it looks like a make-your-own queso kind of situation. So I, I grabbed a glob of cheese, and I tore off a piece of the tortilla, and I shoved them both in my mouth. Well, to my surprise and to Christina's amusement, the stuff that I assumed was cheese... It was peppers. And I had just stuffed about 15 of them in my mouth. Our queso was in a separate container altogether, and I had completely missed it because I was so excited. And the fluffy tortilla, which I now know is papayas, did I say that right? That I missed the whole picture. I missed the context. And from my, my burning mouth and, and, and my tears, let me tell you, context is everything. Right? It is everything when you are ordering from a, a new restaurant. It is everything if you are in a Hallmark movie. And it is everything for us, too. Context really is important information to have. Because when we do not know the background for situations, we start making assumptions. And we have a tendency to try to fill in the gap with the wrong things. We think uh, peppers are cheese, for instance. But if we had the context... We could have been filling our minds with the right things, with truth. Right? We do this in everyday life all the time as well. We make assumptions in situations when there is a gap in our information. For example, maybe you assumed that you knew where your husband was when he didn't show up on time. Or you assumed that your friend's generalized comment had something to do with how you're living your life. Or maybe you assumed you knew why your children were making certain choices in their lives. Right? You never asked them why they were making those choices. You just assumed you knew. Right? I know I've had more than one conversation with a friend about a third-party conversation where we were trying to play detective as we decoded what we thought this other person may have meant with their words. And we make assumptions about people all the time. 
I mean, we make assumptions about store employees, Uber Eats drivers, strangers on the street, Democrats, Republicans, our coworkers, right? When we do not know the whole story, it is always easy to assume that we know what really happened, right? We think we know how people uh, became who they are and why things happened the way they did. And even more, we begin to convince ourselves that we are right because it's easy to assume that we are right. I mean, really, have you met me, right? I'm rarely wrong, just ask my wife. But seriously, if making assumptions is true for our relationship with people, it can certainly be true in our relationship with God. Anytime there is a blank in our minds, anytime there is something we do not understand about God or what he is up to, we can be tempted to fill in the gap. We say, uh, because this happened, God must be that. Maybe maybe for you, as you uh, think about circumstances in your life, you fill in your understanding of God with the idea that he must be absent or weak. Or maybe he is just uninvolved, that is, if he's even real at all. So Foundry, here's what's cool. And it's something that you, you may not hear a preacher say all that much. God is not scared of your assumptions, right? Jesus does not get angry with us for making them. In fact, it is better to be honest with God about what we are thinking and feeling since honesty is what good relationships are based on. So why not tell him what you think he's up to? But with that said, Foundry Church, I do want you to be open to the possibility that, that your assumptions about God could maybe, just maybe, be a little off. Right? Maybe you filled in the blanks with slightly inaccurate information. And maybe there is more to God than you thought. I want to, I want to quickly talk about a couple of people who you won't find in the nativity scene. Now, most of us, we know about Mary and Joseph, but there is a story that took place before their story. It's the story of this couple named Elizabeth and Zechariah. Now, if you're, you're doing our family reading plan here at the Foundry through the book of Luke, right, you'll recognize their names from chapter 1. Right, if you need a quick refresher, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were an older couple, both from a long line of family priests. Right? Both of their families were priests, and Zechariah was a priest himself. He stayed in the family business. Now, both Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful and sincere in keeping God's commands. They were forging their, their life on him, and they were guiding others to forge a lifelong reliance on God as well. Right, so this, this couple, they wanted to have children, but they didn't have any. And because of their age, right, they were older, it did not look like being parents would ever be a part of their story or something that they would ever experience. So they assumed that their story would, one, would be one of faithful, childless service to God. But as I said, right, assumptions about God are, well, they are rarely right. You see, one day, while Zechariah was on duty and serving as a, a priest during this time was a little different experience than what you would think of today. You see, only priests from a particular lineage could serve in the temple, and over the years, the number of priests had multiplied. There were said to be about uh, 20,000 priests in the time of Jesus' birth. 
So they, they used the casting of lots, is what it says. That's similar to what we would call just rolling the dice, to determine which priest would serve and when they would serve. So the chance to serve might fall to a priest only once in his entire lifetime. It seems like a pretty good gig, doesn't it? You only have to work one week out of your entire life. But to be serious, right, to a godly man like Zechariah, when he was on duty, this was a, probably the biggest event of his life, a huge privilege, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And so he was excited, right? He would be alone in the holy temple with the Spirit of God. This alone was probably enough to make his year, his, his lifetime. And he may have assumed, because of this, he may have assumed this about his life. Well, this is what God has prepared me for. I may not have children, but my whole life has been building to this moment. He may say, my whole life and lineage and the casting of lots has led me to this point in the temple before the Lord Most High. The story he probably could assume about his life. But we all know what happens when we assume. You see, while, while Zechariah was, was standing there doing his work, he was greeted by an unexpected visitor. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 13, and we'll see all right, this amazing story. If you don't have your Bibles, use the, the Foundry Burke app. You can download that and the, click the Bible tab, and it's already pulled up for you. Or if you need a Bible, you can grab a free one here at the Info Center in the lobby, or you can email us at the info at thefoundrychurch.com, and we will get one for you. So turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. All right, it says this. All right. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Go ahead and put your finger there. How do you think Zechariah must have felt about all this going on, right? The, the shock of, of Gabriel appearing was probably overwhelming to Zechariah, let alone what the angel was telling him. Right? Zechariah felt doubtful about the angel's message. Right? Jump down to verse 18, right? Look at how he responds. Verse 18 says, Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure of this? How will this happen? I'm an old man, and my wife is also well along in years. Right? Zachariah's response is pretty understandable. Anyone who is far past childbearing age would probably respond in the same way. But the truth is, right, Zachariah did something that we all have a tendency to do. He looked at his situation, looked at his age, his wife's age, and he drew a conclusion, and he assumed that having a baby, well, it was impossible. He assumed that his prayer could not be answered and that the outcome he wanted was never going to happen. I mean, sure, right? There, there was a literal angel of God telling him otherwise, but he could have gotten lost on the way, right? The angel could have been met for some other priest, and it just stumbled upon him, Zechariah. 
And even more, Zechariah did not just think having a baby was impossible for him. Zechariah made a huge assumption about God's ability to come through in his life. He assumed that God was not powerful enough or willing enough or maybe even good enough to answer his prayers. And those are some big assumptions. And we may not realize it. You and I, we, we do the same thing. Listen, when we assume things based on our opinion, experiences, and gut feelings, like Zechariah, we look around at our, our circumstances, and despite whatever other information we have just been given, we assume we already know the answer or the outcome. For example, have you ever seen the movie or the musical Annie? And give me a break, all right? Sometimes my wife tricks me into watching musicals, and I usually get her back by tricking her into watching Braveheart or, or Gladiator or something like that. But there is something that happens in Annie that reminds me of the story of Zechariah. So Annie arrives at the home of what was it? Daddy Warbucks, right? She walks into a home that is the size of a train station. She is in awe. Literally, her mouth is wide open and her jaw is on the ground. And they ask her, what would you like to do first? And for those of you who have seen it, you know that she starts listing off chores. She says, I think I'll start with the walls, uh, then the windows, and then I'll move to the floors, and then I can get to the bathrooms. Right? Annie is presented with the biggest and most beautiful blessing that she could ever imagine, but she assumes that the gift is not for her, right? She assumes it cannot be true, that she must just be there to clean up for someone else's blessing, right? Zachariah, in our story today, did the same thing. He is presented with the answer to his prayers, his wildest dreams, something that he could never imagine happening, and he assumes it is impossible, <laughs> that it cannot be true. Now, listen, Right? It is not the assumptions that, that it's not that assumptions are always a bad thing. What, what gets us into trouble is the fact that our assumptions are not always that accurate. Right? The reason that they are, are not always accurate is because we genuinely make assumptions without knowing the whole story, without any context. We assume we know the outcome based on our personal limited context. And listen. Right? The truth is that sometimes we are right. We assume right. But sometimes and most times, really, we're not right. And it is in those times, the times that we are not right, that can get us into trouble. Right? When Zechariah made the assumption that Gabriel's words to him would not come true, God caused Zechariah to be speechless. Literally speechless. Right? Zechariah was unable to talk until his new son was born. Now, maybe, maybe God wanted him to have proof that, that he really had heard from God. And every time that he opened his mouth to speak, his lack of voice was confirmation. Or maybe God just wanted Zechariah to stop assuming things out loud, and so he shut his mouth. I'm not going to assume to know why God did this. You see what I did there? But the thing is, is God did it. God made Zechariah sit in silence until his son was born. Now, what's interesting is that during all this, and six, six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel appeared unexpectedly 
to another woman named Mary. Now, Mary was a relative of Elizabeth, and she too had no children. All right, Gabriel told this new girl, Mary, that she would become pregnant and that she would give birth to a son who she was to name Jesus. Right? But Mary had a different earthly reason not to believe this news. All right, let's look at how Mary responds to the news from Gabriel. All right, same chapter, verses 34 to 37. It says this. Mary asked the angel, all right, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. So then the angel replied, the Holy Spirit, this is what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Now what's more, your relative Elizabeth, right? even though she's old, she has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Go ahead, again, keep your finger there. So Mary's response to what the angel said there, what we're going to get to in just a second, is incredible. Right? Zachariah and Mary both got a message, and, and Mary's response is just a little bit different. Right? Even though she knew her situation seemed impossible, right? she's a virgin, right? she did not let the circumstances around her impact her faith and belief in God. Get this, right? She believed God was capable of writing another story. Right? This is what Mary said in response to what the angel said about her having a baby and naming him Jesus. Luke chapter 1, verse 38 says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Man, right? We learned so many valuable lessons from Mary's response. The first is that she shows us where her real confidence is. Right? It's not in her assumptions about her circumstances, but it, is, it was in what's true and real about God. Listen, when there was a gap between what she was experiencing and what God was telling her, right, she chose to fill it in not with assumptions, but with faith in who she knew God to be and what God could do. Right? The Christmas story reminds us that God's story is greater than our assumptions. While it is tempting to make assumptions based on our limited view of things, God sees everything and he is always writing a bigger story. When it comes to the way you view God, have you ever assumed that he, I don't know, does not like you or that he is not interested in you or won't use you in his kingdom? Right? Maybe you have assumed that God is waiting for you to get something right before he'll act in your life. Have you doubted that God can be trusted or that he wouldn't fix the, the broken places in your life? Listen, I know that I have allowed my views of things to get the best of me and I have wrongly assumed some of those things. And truthfully, we have all made assumptions like that about God. And I get that some of the assumptions that we are holding on to about God have been with us for a long, long time, and they do not always disappear overnight. But Christmas, this season, is a great time to be reminded of all the ways that God wants to act in our lives. And the ways that God wants to write a bigger and better story. Despite what we can see, despite what we can feel, despite our past experiences, 
Christmas, the season, right? And this story remind us that the story God is writing is bigger than our assumptions. So I'm going to I'm going to get the band to get ready, and they're going to come back up here, and we're going to take communion together. And before we do that, though, let me share this. You know, in one of the commentaries that I was using to help me prepare for this sermon, it said this about Zachariah's response to Gabriel. It it, it was written, it said this, it isn't that Zachariah doesn't want to believe this, because he does. It is simply that he feels it must be too good to be true. And he has probably uh, protected himself from disappointment by not setting his expectations too high. So listen, right? We rob ourselves of many a miracle by the same attitude. <laughs> let, me, let me repeat that. We rob ourselves of many a miracle by the same attitude. Church, church, how many miracles have we stolen away from God because of our assumptions? How many times has God called us to do amazing things and we have ignored the calling because we assumed we were not good enough or smart enough or, or brave enough? Right? How many times have we uh, looked around at us, right, at our situation and assumed that God could not come through? How many miracles did we make impossible because we assumed our circumstances were bigger than God? I mean, seriously, right? Zechariah looked at the circumstances first and then what God could do last. We're tempted to think this is what seems like a logical viewpoint, right? But, but if, if God is who he says he is, then it makes more sense to look at God before our circumstances. It makes more sense to take away our assumptions and focus on God, So let me leave you with this question. How would your life look if you assumed only one thing? God is able. God is able. What if the, this season you opened your mind to the possibility that you may have assumed the wrong things about God, how he feels about you, and what he is up to in your life, and you spent this season remembering all the things he can do and has done, that he is able. It may feel impossible to release our assumptions because we cannot see what story God is writing. Right? We don't know what's going to happen next. But I think it is at least worth it to try and put our faith in God and see what he can do to realize that he is able. So this Christmas, I do not limit God with your assumptions. We, by definition of being a finite person, do not have the entire context. You cannot see everyone like God can. You do not know everything like he knows. So what if this Christmas we begin to fill in the gaps with faith instead of assumptions? What if this Christmas we choose to believe in spite of what we we see, feel, or our experience that God is able? What if this Christmas we looked at the baby in the manger and forgot about the impossible and we looked at the amazing possibilities that that baby brings? Right? What if this season we exchanged uh, assumptions for the truth that nothing is impossible with God, that he is able? What if this Christmas we choose to believe that God loves us and that he is for us 
that he is able. And what if we choose to remember that as the context to all of our life's circumstances? That God's story is greater than our assumptions that he is able. Right? Living a life that is forged on him is the only way to live. Thanks for listening to the Foundry Church Podcast. We'd love to stay in touch. Visit us online at thefoundrychurch.com or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at the Foundry Burke.